I'm hearing across the board shortage of chefs is out of control. Really? Brexit, it's been this pandemic, it's been all sorts of things. So that's a massive issue. Um, there's chef burnout, mental health, you know, long hours, doesn't it? So we need to sort that out. Um, and I know I'm hearing already people are not being able to reopen because they don't have chefs. Hello and welcome back to the ZX Spectrum. My name's Brandon Ralph. And my name's Lizzie Hodgson. And today we're joined by Mark McCullough, uh, who's currently a virtual CMO for the hospitality and leisure sector. Prior to this, he was CEO of a multi-award winning food and drink creative agency. After a career spanning the likes of Pret-a-Manger, how do you pronounce that? Is it Pret-a-Manger? Pret-a-Manger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and lastminute.com, amongst many, many others. Um, what he doesn't know about marketing um, in this sector, frankly, isn't worth knowing. So welcome, Mark. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, so it's Friday, not too much <laughs> on my plate today. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling excited for the weekend if this wind will die down. So, yeah, yeah, pretty fantastic. Pretty windy for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> well, um, Mark, I'm, I'm always interested. What got you into the kind of hospitality leisure sector to begin with yeah well it was a bit of luck actually so um i was working with barclay card at the time and uh i didn't enjoy it uh so i was really not a good fit for for that company um you know just i'm a, maybe a little bit more loose and informal than than they might like so um it was a great learning experience but not ideal so um i was always flicking through marketing week and just seeing if there's any jobs and, and things like that. I hadn't looked at it for a while and it came up saying senior marketing manager for Yo Sushi. So I saw it, wages were okay, it was less than I was on, but finance versus hospitality, you know, and I thought taking the hit is going to be good for me, you know, good for my mental health and good for my career and, and my happiness. So yeah, luckily got that job. Um, There's a little bit of a lead up to it though, which was, uh, as my CV, I sent them a ransom note where I said to them, um, help, I've been captured by a bunch of bankers, you know, please help me escape, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that was enough to at least stand out to get onto a shortlist. Um, and I was lucky that they were, uh, and this is a bit of a theme for today maybe, is they were looking for someone outside of hospitality um, that yeah. could come in and give their input from e-com, travel, lifestyle, finance, whatever, music as well. Um, so, so that really helped. Uh, so I gave them that. And then I got the call for the interview. I was really drunk at Blur at Hyde Park. Um, and I had to like get my act together for the next day. I had to go and see the CEO and the HR director. And But it was five interviews to get that job. Uh, Five. They were they were very. It was a good thing, you know. I think they had to be very sure. Yours at the time was a very kind of a bit of a gang, you know. Like it was a lot of the founding people were in it, <laughs> and you had to join in with them and fit around them. So they had to be sure that it was the right person. But hopefully, it was for for that time period. Um. So yeah, that was that was um that was a a, a big thing, but. Once I got into hospitality, though, and I think what's kept me there is the kindness of everyone. And what's great is everyone works together. So, for example, if someone left lastminute.com and went to Expedia, we'd want we'd put hitmen on them. Do you know? Like you know, we'd, 
so angry and hurt, uh, you know. But uh, hospitality is quite incestuous. That it is that you'll go from Wagamama to Itsu to Nando's to, you know. Um, but the great thing is everyone shares in each other's success. So there's not actually lots of competition. And people realize that if you are Wagamama, you can't eat there morning, noon and night, every single, it's just impossible. So our job as people within hospitality is just to get people out of home. That That's uh -huh. the job. And then from there, you know, the, the good ones will, will, will do well and the bad ones need to up their game. Um, and, and that's about it. I mean, there's added complexity now with, you know, COVID obviously and Deliveroo and, and all these things. Um, but really essentially our job is in the main to get people out to eat in our establishments. So what is it exactly that excites you the most about the industry or the work that you do? What kind of like, you know, gets you going? It's, it's behind. Uh, so I think I quite like a, a damsel or a, a male in distress. You know, I like helping people. And mm -hmm. I think because of my past experiences, I, I'll hopefully just understand, I've got a little bit more insight into e-com and, and, and you know and how retailers would do it or, or finance would do it or you know or even you know the, the more ahead sectors like gambling and dare I say it porn you know and things like that these are the ones that are the movers and shakers and how we adopt behavior is what we do with our life and hospitality has been the unloved and slightly behind industry you know the budgets aren't there so whatever you've got you've got to go up you know, you've got to make it absolutely count. So an example would be lastminute.com, the marketing budget was something like 23.3 million. Mm -hmm. When I got into Yosushi, for example, the marketing budget was under 300,000 pounds. Whoa. For 50 <laughs> sites across the world. So you... So, <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> but, <laughs> It's just the way it is. But I, I like that test because it's easy to spend money badly super easy you know just uh -huh. the ad and you know you'll still get an effect from it but i think what i really enjoy is my feet being held to the fire you know i really enjoy me testing how good i can be my teams can be my agencies can be um to, to get a result from not much money that's well, the excitement yeah that, they say you know necessity is the mother of invention isn't it so when you are in those situations and you have to um and you're competing with such massive brands and yo sushi isn't an insignificant brand either it's not a small brand but it no. is quite that's quite surprising to hear that that's that was their spend um at that time and what so you know, how how inventive could you be were they like okay we just want to hear your ideas we just we will give you the free reign of here's your here's your pot of money yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't quite, here's your pot of money, you know, I had to fight and, and justify, or, honestly, anything, um, which is the right way to do it, yeah. you know, to, to, to make profit, I suppose. Um, but yeah, they were good. I mean, Robin and, and Alison, they are, were good and trusting of me, and they hired me because I still think I'm a 14-year-old kid in Air Jordans, you know, sort of. <laughs> so, and I could bring, you know, my past was, NME, Loaded Magazine, Student Marketing, um, LastMinute.com, we used to do, you know, pretty exciting stuff as well, like, you know, uh, dress all the statues up in London in pink, you know, do gorilla things. I think before the bombings and stuff as well, we actually uh, had first class underground carriages as stunts. So people would go in and they'd get champagne 
like you know, like <laughs> on uh, the the tube, you know. So it was fun stuff like that. So um, so yeah, so that inventive gorilla bit in me was was there, and you had to be a bit kind of stunty. So for example, um, we created a street team called the Japarazzi, and what they were was a bunch of you know it probably wouldn't go down that well now I suppose, but it was the the sort of Shinjuku um maids you know the japanese maids you know all dressed up asian you know uh, people going out and asking people to lose their sushi virginity so what we had figured out was if we could get people to come and try your sushi then a third of those people would come back so it was just that getting them in so we would say come in for free have any dish you want even if it's six pounds it's on the belt for free if you don't like it, throw it at us. If you like it, we'll give you that one for free. Keep eating, or there's a bounce back, blah, blah, blah. And that strategy made a huge difference. And then what happened was a chain of events from there. So the Metro picked up that we were doing it. So the Metro then put us, they used to do this anyway, I don't know if they do it now, but they put us in the top right-hand corner saying free sushi for every reader. So we switched off our campaign to make it exclusive for them. Yeah. So, that, you know, and then Nissan got in touch and said, would you like three cars to give away? Um, and <laughs> your team, you know, the girls, can they be in your our ads? And it was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying girls rather than women. I mean, they were young women, you know, so they were, you know, 17, 18 out of work actors or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, so so we then had the, them in the ads with joint ads with Nissan. We then got the database from all the competition entries. And we got loans of the cars for a while. We used them with the street team. So it was this Nissan Cube. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a kind of very Japanese looking car, you know, like a box. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think it's, if you try enough stuff, a couple of things will stick, you know? Um, so, so yes, you had to just be really cute with your with your money um, and that year i remember as well out of the under three hundred thousand, seventy thousand of that was going on websites so you were in which we won two webbies for which we were very pleased with i mean that was amazing um but yes that left you with 230 and you know the example i'll always give for hospitality when anyone questions marketing budget just to frame it venues will spend more in pink spray for cleaning up than they will on what the budget I had, um, or we had. Um, so yes, you've always got to put it into context because <laughs> hospitality is operator-led and most of the companies don't understand or value marketing whatsoever. <laughs> so, you know, kind of a wider question that I always think is, because of that, was there a big importance placed then on building that brand? more than anything because I think kind of you know kind of yo sushi nowadays is almost synonymous with you know kind of when you when you visit lots of cities and things like that you you, you go okay I'll find a yo sushi how just how important is brand and building kind of that yeah I mean that was one of the first things that we really did you know when I went in so I've, I've been lucky that when I was at lastminute.com I met a, a guy called Robert Bean 
And Robert uh, is, you know, a, a brand expert. So he worked on things like BT, it's good to talk if anyone's old enough to remember that. Um, Honda Power, Lizzie <laughs> maybe. Uh, so Honda Power, if not, you can look it up on YouTube. Um, Honda Power of Dreams where all the car parts hit each other. And, you know, big, big, big things. And I got tasked with him to reposition all the brands within lastminute.com. And we had 28. And they all fought against, they all bid against each other on things like, you know, PPC terms. It's madness. And they all made no money. Um, basically, <laughs> so I think... Um, from learning that process, I then always wanted to replicate that wherever I went. And so we brought Robert in and we defined your sushi as being a bit of a interactive dining experience. So it was meant to be a bit like a slice of Tokyo and escape to Tokyo for that 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever you're in. Um, and that then allowed us to just make that the center of everything. So culture, products and services, reputation, the, the three most important circles in that. So any marketing we're doing, it had to be like hyper real, you know, as if it mm -hmm. was Japanese. Um, the products and service, you know, we had to try and make it a little bit more authentic. Um, what would we see? So again, they were very kind. They sent us out to Japan um, and, you know, we had to go out there and have a look at what everything that was going on and then obviously bring that back. So I think it was a, a huge thing and, and winning that Webby was massive and of the two Webbies. And then on social media, we uh, we were cited as the most, and like for a very short window, um, the most influential restaurant um, brand mm -hmm. in, in social. Uh, and we spent a lot on that. So we took around 10,000 a month alone on basic social media support. And back in 2010, that was a lot of money, you know, to <laughs> social, you know, especially. So we put all of our bets on social. And what I did was I bought, uh, I could see in, in China, Japan, it was Japan and we had to get them through China, but there was um, lightsaber chopsticks, Star Wars lightsaber chopsticks, and there were $13 or something. Like that. So I bought a, almost like a, a crate of those and we just gave them away to like every follower. That we got and um, <laughs> it grew uh, you know for the sake of your know, cost per head i mean by the end of it it wasn't that much um you know we got the money the, the cost down so it was those kind of we were pretty leading and then we hired an agency called punk Tilio, and they did simon cowell stuff they did arsenal stuff they did stuff for the sun sport which was pretty edgy back then so yeah, so you know, we were punching above our weight and you still had a bit of a cachet that PR companies wanted to work with us, digital companies wanted to work with. They still felt that they're, you know, it's kind of like working with Brewdog now or something, you know, there'll be a bit of rub off that, you know, you're a good agency. So we, we, we were, were really lucky. We got bargains that, you know, companies that would usually cost a lot of money seemed to ditch their fees for us, um, <laughs> so, which, which was a lovely thing. Um, but then we obviously made it fair, you know, longer down the line and, and yeah. you know, paid them in sushi and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I felt it was a good value exchange there. Awesome. So we've, we've touched on, um, you know, you touched on very, very much earlier about how maybe the industry's being disrupted, particularly, I mean, we've had a, you know, the last year have been, has been, dreadful I imagine for the hospitality industry um what what how ha, 
I want to, we can go on to the app side of stuff later, but what actually has happened with COVID? That's a massive question. But what, what was the actual impact? And what are the, what are the, are there green shoots of recovery as we come out of it? What's, what's the strategy? What would be the strategy to come out of this? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot in that. I mean, I think so. What you'll hear about is pivoting, you know, um, the old Ross from Friends thing, I suppose. But, you know, that's a big, a big thing that everyone's, uh, you know, is talking about and it's cliched and, you know, but it's kind of what happened. Now, what you saw was a few things happening. Some, weirdly, some bigger operators just disappeared. So they just put everyone in furlough, mothballed everything, got out of dodge, and they just thought we'll sit. And I found that disappointing because they didn't keep up their comms with their customer, you know, the most important thing. So then there was another thing that happened that people, some people, you know, shouted to things like Yummy Pubs, Dishoom, Leon, Tortilla, you know, Ivy Collection, you know, Caring Foundation, all, you know, so many great things happened where people just went, we're needed. And, you know, almost like running into a burning building, they just went, sod the cost, sod everything, we're, we're going to just help frontline workers. You know, we're going to provide meals, we're going to give stuff away, we don't care. Like, and it's not even, oh, we'll get it eventually, it's just absolute selflessness, you know, which was, was incredible. And then you had a third thing that sort of happened more towards the summer when people realised this was going to be a long-term thing, where you had this, uh, what they call make-away uh, sort of section, where I only learned the word lately, I think it's great, but I think, yeah, it's it's distinct from your, your recipe boxes, so it's different from Gusto, HelloFresh, Mindful Chef, you know. This is you having a restaurant quality meal from your favorite restaurants at home. Um, the trouble with that was um, people weren't set up for it. You know, they had to do a lot of food development, pricing, learning, you know, how do you work with someone like Hermes, DPD? You know, they just didn't have any of that knowledge. So they did so well. I mean, the entire industry, like, hats off to them. But what you found was most of them, apart from, you know, I think there's some ones out there that did extremely well. Um, you know, Hawksmoor, Coat at Home, you know, Deshoom did well, Bleaker, Burger, Pizza Pilgrims. But a lot of them did it. And it sort of made ends meet or broke even. But I think it was a valiant effort on them just, you know, sort of uh, like, you know, staying relevant, you know. Yeah. Um, and also Six by Nico, but, you know, it's, it's been seen as one of the, the ones to look at. So what they did every week or weeks, I believe, was they did an adventure box. So it was quite exciting. And it was like, this is from, you know, the, the islands of Scotland. This is from Vietnam. This is from America. This, you know, it was, it was, re and, you know, the whole book was a map. And, you know, so I think they, um, you know, people started to understand that you could create that experience at home. Now, something the hospitality industry has maybe even been a little bit arrogant on uh, all, since I've been in it, is they've always said, we will be the last to go. Like, you know, in terms of online, you can't replicate pubs, you can't replicate restaurants. And that's true for a certain amount of people, but with the younger audiences coming through, they'll grow up in a different world. So that might not always be there. And, you know, and I always think about, you know, the, the Gary Vaynerchuk phrase where he talks about uh, everyone's fine till they get punched in the face. And 
and you know you've got a plan to get punched in the face and this was our punch in the face and i think i've been saying it for a long time actually cheesing some people off that if you think and this isn't to be negative because everyone's doing their best but if you think that you can just run a restaurant now within four walls and do you know lunch and dinner service you're sort of kidding yourself i mean there'll be a few out there that can do that but not many so i think it's about you being omnipresent omnichannel and you need a logistics distribution strategy and it's all about the customer what is their perception of you and where is their attention you know where are where are you going to get into their bellies if we want to get crass but so from that point of view it's it's a huge thing it's not going to go away but i think what's going to happen is there's been so many people doing it as a means to an end and they just won't have the investment the foresight whatever they'll just switch back to doing the restaurant and almost like that top gun thing with you know when they slam the brakes on and the other planes fly yeah. by i think loads will slam their brakes on and there's going to be about a handful let's say 20 or so that are just going to go keep going and they're going to have that income stream they're going to have restaurant income stream they're going to have deliveroo restaurant stream and also with deliveroo you know um people have started to understand that you know it's it's part of the game it's part of the strategy and you know it was seen as the devil you know before and almost is in the letters i suppose but um you know but from that i think it's one of these things where um so many operators think about what they think is right and not what's right for the customer and delivery exists because customers want it you know um tabloids tablo tabloid news exists because some customers want it you know as much as we don't like it it's the way it is um so then the job that you have to do with delivery for example is just try and be as smart as you can negotiate as hard as you can to get everything down Pricing pricing's really important, how you're seen on there, the aggregation. I mean, you've got to make it work. If it just doesn't work money-wise and you don't think there's a brand benefit, then you know, you might want to come off it. There might be other ways. But I think that seems to be the, the way. And also, what about voice? What about Amazon? And there's so many restaurant brands that I know that just wouldn't be seen dead on Amazon. Or they'll say something like, but we are I'll pick an example, but we're Caluccio's. How could we possibly you know, be an Amazon, it's like, just get some tomato sauce up there, you know, or, you know, get a curated box of wine up there, you know, anything, because, you know, this was years ago when I did a podcast with an Amazon guy now, and even then it was 52% of all product searches started on Amazon. So why would you not be there? Like, I know there's people that are obviously, you know, uh, reticent about brand saturation and all these things, but it's just your go-to now. You don't even search for a product in Google anymore. You just go straight to Amazon. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say how how sustainable is them? It's as I mean, technology is disrupting every aspect of our lives, and so it was it was inevitable that the hospitality hospitality sector was going to be disrupted and will continue to be disrupted. Technology is not, you know, technology is a a, a moving uh, beast, isn't it? It never stops. But how? So ultimately, technology has got to be good for the sector, but it's got to be, it, 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 there is always going to be winners and losers. So how kind of like sustainable or ethical do you think these kinds of approaches are, particularly with, you know, with, with the Deliveroo? And we all use Deliveroo, so we can't sit back and go, oh, it's dreadful, because we use it. As yeah. I said, we buy the papers, we consume this stuff. Right. So 
where does that where does that um where does the sort of uh sustainability and maybe the ethical question come in or is it is it out the window now well it'd be interesting i would like to think that something might happen over the next year or so that maybe another player will come in that's successful that you know maybe doesn't charge as much or doesn't have you buy the the short and curlies i think the one of the biggest issues i think as well as the you know the data and and again it's no disrespect to livery they're doing like, they're doing exactly what most business people would do but they've got all the data they know what's selling where you know they've got all these advantages and you know the the, the hospitality people just won't have that so i guess you would be hoping that some bright spark might come in and say, well, maybe there's a way to do it fairer and more transparent and be a true partner uh, to the, you know, to, to, to the restaurants. Um, you know, in terms of sustainability, you know, if, if you're meaning environmentally as well, there are issues with that, you know, like packaging, uh, it's tough, you know, probably one of the best packaging out there is Wagamama. It's a beautiful thing to have, but it's terribly unsustainable, I would imagine. Um, yeah, we've, we don't, we've cut down on our Wagamama takeaway because it kept coming in these plastic yeah. tubs. And we've, yeah. we've kept them, we use them for other things, but it's like, we can't, we can't, that's, we have changed our, we have actually changed our buying, our, our consumerism on the fact that it's, we can't justify having these plastic tubs every single time we order something. It's like the desserts, like goo, you know, and you, you, there's only so many glass ramekins you can have, you know, you just get like a cupboard for them. But yeah, so 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 there's there's definitely some thinking about that. But to be fair to Wagamama, you know, they, I mean, I know they put an inordinate amount of investment and, and effort into that, and it was it was to please the customer. Like, it's really hard to keep soupy noodles in a decent state. You know, it's not very travelable. Um, so it is really difficult. So I think there's that. And also, it won't be before long that everyone's talking about the waste. I mean, they probably are already, but, you know, I'm not party to it yet. But the waste of fuel and miles and, you know, because if someone's just ordering one McMuffin from, you know, McDonald's or whatever, I mean, you can get that delivered. I mean, what a, I mean, a delightful thing to have, obviously, uh, at times. But, you know, in terms of the miles, I mean, you can think about all that as well. That, that's, that's, you know, it's not going to be great as, as they get even bigger. I think you know, technology won't solve that. I think these are important questions to be had, though. And I think that we do need to, you know, on the one hand, we're being told there's a climate crisis and we yeah. need to act and we need to do things. But at the, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but I'll still have my delivery. I'll still have everything delivered to me. I'll yeah. still get those plastic packages i want the convenience the convenience convenience i will i will buy something off amazon and i will have it delivered to me the next day yeah, yeah. and and so and you're oh isn't it terrible the environment the environment the environment so we as consumers have to also you know decide what we want yeah. but i do think it's a two-way two-way you know with the with the providers and with the um with the or the companies themselves as well to help yeah. educate us and we also can all be part of that journey of making this more ethical more um, more sustainable because it has to happen yeah no yeah. I, I think you're right and i think also if that bright spark came into the market and said right we've got a more a business model that we don't need to make as much but you know we, we can lower those margins we can have e-bikes or 
you know, robots or drone, or you can only get it delivered if there's so much of it in bulk. Um, then, you know, it's starting to, to form it. And then if that person, well, you're not getting on our system until you pass the carbon neutral test or, you know, whatever. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's a long, there's a long way to go, but I think it's an open goal. I think it's way there for someone because it almost feels like delivery is a monopoly. I know you've got Just Eat and as fabulous as Snoop Dogg ads are, you know, I don't think they're anywhere near, yeah. you know, the, the customer convenience of Deliveroo. They're just nowhere near there. Yeah. I think as well, I think a really interesting product that I've been using in the last six months um, is, uh, is HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. And I think that there might be a bit of a hybrid in between the two. Because obviously HelloFresh, um, you receive all of the ingredients for the products and you have to make it yourself. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think that there's a there's potentially kind of a ability to move, you know, kind of move food in a because they're they're packaged really quite well and really quite sustainable yeah. for for the for the environment um, and reduce food waste because you just get what you need. But it's yeah, I don't know if there's kind of a hybrid between the two where you'd like yeah. I don't know pre-order your food for the week, you know, from your your favourite restaurants or something like that. I don't know if there's yeah. you know something like that. <laughs> Interestingly, Wagamama hooked up with Gusto, I think, to, to you know have their meals in that format, and it didn't go well. It didn't. Oh, it, well, it, it stopped. So I'm imagining it doesn't. <laughs> so uh, you know, I thought it was a tremendous idea, um, but it just never got that adoption. I wonder if they were just ahead of the curve a bit. You know, where they yeah. if they just stayed in there, they could have they could have done it you know, sort of a bit better. I mean, because, again, what's the difference slightly from buying a Pizza Express in the supermarket? And, you know, they'll sell more of those than they do pizzas in the restaurants, you know, so it's a it's a huge business opportunity for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I, I think they're good. I mean, thinking about HelloFresh, I'm sure I read, I'm sure it was them. There's someone like, their, or maybe it was Mindful Chef, one of them's nearly $4 billion in terms of mm-hmm. global turnover. Just, I think that's probably HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the, the market leader in that. Yeah. It's, I think the, the thing that they've got me sort of attracted to the brand um, and the idea more than anything is like, you know, the fact that there is kind of zero waste yeah. and you get kind of the food that you just need. You don't get all of the, you know, extra food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... One thing that they kind of missed on, though, is you can only, um, I, I know at Gusto, for example, you can only order four meals in a week. Um, and HelloFresh, you can only order five, which, okay, in normal times would have been fine. But when, you know, during COVID, I need to eat seven days a week. So you still ended up having to go out and buy other food. So kind of, uh, I think that they, they had kind of extreme growth, obviously, during the pandemic. But they, I don't know if they innovated as much and I didn't know about the, the Wagamamas thing at Gusto but I don't know if there's you know maybe Wagamamas wasn't the right brand for Gusto's customers who knows like I th- but I think that there's this opportunity kind of you know just goes to show kind of the importance of brand but of of having that sort of quality food that you can enjoy at home yeah and, in, and in the amount, amount of money they're spending on advertising is staggering Mm-hmm. I just, you know, uh, saw some figures the other day, and I think it was one of them was spending about eleven million 
yeah on tv and outdoor you know so yeah. when they do and they uh the, they do big discounts as well don't they when you first join yeah. um i think yeah this has kind of been a common theme i think throughout my food buying behavior through the pandemic has always been like people offering discounts they entice you in you go like you know the hello fresh box i think the first one you get like 60 percent off and then you get 30 percent off your next ones um and yeah you know at that point it's it's cheaper than going out and doing a weekly shop yeah. you know to get the food um and the same with like uh uber eats for example they i feel like every month or something like that they do like 50 percent off to try and encourage you to use the app um you're a, you're a marketing person yeah. nightmare <laughs> yeah yeah well, he, try going for dinner with him because it's like hang on where's got some discounts that gets his so where can we go for dinner I, we're a, we're odd box in our family we're in, oh. in the household we're all which means it's an adventure every week Ah. You have no idea what's going to arrive. It arrived overnight last night and you just open the box and you just don't know what's going to be in there. You know, there's, and it's, and you don't know what shape it's going to be in, you know, and, and that, that forces you to, I think, be more creative with your cooking. I so, love how Lizzie's like, that forces you, it forces Lizzie's wife, Holly, oh, yeah. who's, I, who's the, definitely the chef of the house. I can, I can smell something <laughs> delicious. <right? laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, okay, the caveat is I don't do the cooking. But <laughs> also is my wife to do some amazing cooking. Um, but I think that in that, it makes it more of an adventure. You know, like, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're about. And I think, I think what we want is both novelty and, um, and normal, you know, like, like, consistency. So we are really, we, I mean, as, as creatures, we're really, really complex in some ways. It's like, we want something new. But we all also want something that we can trust. Yeah, some some sort of like consistent. Yeah. I think I think the other thing you know about the hospitality stuff is there's so many people sweating it about these boxes because they're saying and delivery or whatever. Oh well, that cannibalise people going to the restaurant, and I don't know if it will. I think it's much more it will displace supermarkets and yeah. supermarket meals and Marks and Spencers dining for ten and you know blah blah. blah. So I, I think it's it's those people that I would be more concerned about, you know? Yeah, There's so prior to the pandemic, I used to travel a lot with work and eat out a lot and things like that. And even now, so when we're recording this for the audience that's listening, just this week they've opened up the indoor of the of restaurants in the UK. Um, and, you know, I'm already excited, you know, already got meals planned over the next few weeks to go out and go out and eat. Um, because you know, I think you it's it's a completely different experience when you're eating out of like you know delivery package in your home when you're going out to a restaurant and having those sort of experiences. And I think, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think the the biggest threat is probably more to, to supermarkets. Spend less in the supermarket now. You go to HelloFresh or whatever. But then you kind of I think you know in the UK at least Morrison's is kind of innovating on that that food front in the supermarket space got their own box which is actually cheaper if you've got a, a family of four than if you went to you know HelloFresh so I think that there's I think we're very much at the early cusp of this kind yeah. of revolution so to speak um, but it's so I don't know I, I just for our listeners if you haven't before the convenience of on a Tuesday, your food for the week arriving um, in a box 
and then all in individual paper bags to for you to stick in your fridge is second to none. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish we should we should reach out and see if the, 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 they'll give us a promo code so Brandon can get some free free um, free meals for the next few weeks. <laughs> I do. I think going going back to this, will people eat out? I think yes, they will because we. Yeah. We went out for a meal last night just at our local, local pub just down the road, and it was the first time we've been out in, mm. I don't know, everyone, you know, months yeah. and months and months. And I think what we've done is I appreciated it so much more. I won't, I hope I don't take it for granted as much. You know, it's a small independent pub, fantastic food, um, really food that is actually lo- lovingly created, you know, lovingly made. And it's just made me realize that if we want these things to survive, we can't go, oh, isn't it terribly sad if that restaurant goes or that restaurant? Well, we have to go and we have to be in them. We have to go to them. We have to use them. And it's that social side of us. We, we, we interact. We're human. We, we want that social interaction. And it was so delightful to hear laughter in an enclosed space. Yeah. And, it was, it, and, and that is an experience that has taken it right down to the basics in a space with other human beings hearing laughter and the food and the clink and the nice and it's like it's so basic but it's so comforting and i think that is what has been missed and i'm hopeful that people will start to tap back into that and will go to Mm -hmm. the pubs and restaurants and you know eateries and have that experience again i'm I'm hearing some do you want to give them a shout out as well might be good they might get some business it's the better half half great place yeah yeah (laughs) Fantastic, and they've got a new uh, they've got a new chef evidently. And the chef last night was it's brilliant food. It was absolutely brilliant food. Yeah, well, it's a really good point, just because it's on my mind at the moment. I've got live briefs about this stuff, and one of the best things that can hopefully come out of this is that hospitality is appreciated. So there's a massive issue at the moment of people that have been on furlough for all this time. Now that furlough's over, they're just handing in their notice and going, do you know what, I'm going to go and work in a call centre. There's been a huge bunch of people reassessing their life. There's also a perception out there of you you want to go to a restaurant, but you wouldn't want your kids working in one. You know, um, so it's, and it's also like, when are you going to get a real job? Um, you know, so there's that sort of stuff going on at the moment. So I'm hopefully working with a few people that are notable in the industry to do almost like a a campaign that's like a recruitment campaign like you know like the army did or, or the navy or you know be the best or what you know just something that we can go out and just go you know this is what we want to do because um i'm hearing across the board shortage of chefs is out of control really? it's been brexit it's been this pandemic it's been all sorts of things so that's a massive issue um there's chef burnout, mental health, you know, long hours, doesn't that? So we need to sort that out. Um, and I know I'm hearing already people are not being able to reopen because they don't have chefs. Wow. And so they're having to stay closed. I mean, they want, it's not like they're out of business, it's just they can't physically open. Um, <laughs> so that is, is, is just one of the, the biggest things. And I hope that people will start to appreciate it, see it more of as a career you know, etc. So there's there's a lot of work, you know, behind the scenes going on about that at the moment because we won't have a hospitality industry if things keep going the way they're going. Mm-hmm. So you know, you'll be Brandon will be in the back for his, meal, <laughs> his own dinner at the best. You know? 
Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a big problem. Big problem. Well, I'm very acutely aware of the time that we're running out of. And so I, I wanted to have a much larger discussion about this, but maybe we'll have to save it for another day. Um, but, you know, I think influencer marketing, I think particularly during the pandemic, that TikTok has given me such a big list of restaurants in London that I want to go and visit when I'm back. Um, what what sort of role now is 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 kind of the modern day you know influencer creator social media playing in restaurants? Um, yeah, kind of very briefly. <laughs> yeah, not, not big enough. So um, they get a bad name mm-hmm. in the hospitality industry. Which oh, here's this freeloader wanting free dinner for the hundred you know followers. Um, so it's widely, I mean, I'm talking 90, 95% of the industry would just go, no, like, you know, we're not doing it. We, it's just a freeloader. So there's a job to do to help hospitality people understand what an influence, what a good influencer can do for them. Yeah. The other thing is they are using influencers that are, uh, saying yes to everyone so i think you know what you're going to need is a mix of big influencers middle influencers and, and micro and also i think what you need is long-term relationships and commitment with them to build your brand with their audience rather than one week they're with coat the next week they're with cafe rouge the next week they're with kfc and we see a lot of that so it's like the mercury music prize in, in music you, you can never tell who's sponsored it that year. It's just somebody else, then you don't care. Mm. So, um, I, I, and then I think there's a question around content. Um, I, I honestly think it's a miseducation. I don't think hospitality people in the main actually, A, really harness the power of social. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, the next level up is paid social. And then the next level up would be influencer. I, I, I don't think you know what to do with them. So yeah. what will happen is they have one influencer night, mm-hmm. keyword being night. So what does that give you? Terrible light um, and lighting. So, you know, and then it basically is just a schmoozing party that some people put out. So there's no rigor in it. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing that, we can do with it for the industry is look at successful huge influencer campaigns for brands and then unpick all the things that had to happen to make that incredible and then bring it down to you know what hospitality could stomach afford you know and, and, and manage mm-hmm. and that but it's almost a swear word influence if you pick up our influencers or say anything about influencers they, they'll just be like what free meals no way and it's, it's a bad mindset. So yeah. there's a big job to do because, you know, as and also I would argue as well, most of the industry has stopped or drawn a line under social before TikTok. So mm-hmm. very few of them in the main are actually, I'm guilty of it. I'm not as okay with TikTok as I am the other, you know, channels and, you know, shame on me. But I think, <laughs> That they, you know, they got, they have to get into it, and they have yeah. to live it and breathe it and understand it. And the, the again, they're just going, oh, what those stupid dancing videos? What's that about? And I think the ones that go in and crack it well will connect with that, you know, yeah. the younger audience or, or slightly 
I don't even know if it is younger audience now, is it? It's just a mainstream thing. I think I think it's audience. I think it is. Um, I think it's interesting around the TikTok. It has it has it's taken. I think even I I remember the I remember the time, Mark. I don't know if you do, but I remember the time before even email. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was at university when we had the first email, was and I was like, who's going to use this? I mean, you know, what? Who who would I write to? Yeah. Um, and and I think it's a kind of similar thing. It's like, why would we, what is the point of this? There's no imagination and there's no kind of like understanding that innovation happens in different ways. It doesn't have to be um, in, a, in a, a lineal way. And innovation often comes from disruptors coming in, yeah. in and, and forcing change. So I think it's inevitable that the TikTok or the, you know, that's the, that's the platform of the moment. It could be something else in a few years time, but it's this, it's this engagement social, it is inevitable that this is going to have to be something people are going to do because the sheer the sheer um, wave of change that's happening. You you either get knocked over by it or you'll go go with it. And that's what we saw when in the publishing industry, when when well magazines yeah magazines are around but they're not around the volume. Newspapers, all of these the printed the printed paper anything like that absolutely disrupted, blown out of the water. People saying it'll never happen, it'll never happen. DVDs. We, yeah, DVDs. <laughs> we, have to, DVDs yeah. we have to try it. And it's that mindset and it's an education piece because it's, um, if you're not in it, I don't understand the argument of not even trying. That's what I don't get. Because yeah. what's the, what's, if it's on a, a principle, principle, then that's nonsense. I think, I think it's time. Um, in all honesty, so if I give you the example of you again, 52 this, whatever it was, there was only me and one other running all of that. So, um, and also what I'm finding in the market is marketers are getting more expensive and they also want to do less. So marketing's becoming even more specialized. We used to be able to get one person that would be a generalist and sort of turn their head to everything, which was not great. But now it's, oh, you need a social media person. Well, yeah, but then you need a content creator. Then you need an analyst. Then you need a, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the digital department, if, if you want to split it out, you know, can be looking at 12, 9, 11, whatever um, posts, uh, jobs. So, so I think there's a real fear as well. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, to be fair to them, I think, they want to do it when they feel that they can do a good job consistently rather than dip in and out. So, yeah, but I, I, and also the other thing is I think a lot of marketing departments are probably millennial at the moment, maybe mm -hmm. top end of millennial, certainly the bosses will be. So again, you know, they'll ask people to do what they think's right. And they, they are probably as afraid of TikTok as I am. So you know, and, and I think the thing is, I think with TikTok, it just seems like hard work. It's harder work than but it is. I think, yeah, but I think this is where you get perhaps, I don't know, I've, we've got to stop in a moment, but, you know, we get younger people in, you oh, get yeah, absolutely. that yeah. stuff, yeah. you know. Well, look, it's a, them. Yeah, found so many restaurants, and you just see like the amazing looking burgers and the food, and it's just you know you're there and you're catching it. But anyway, Mark, I'm aware of the time, so thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you? Real pleasure. Um, so on Twitter and Instagram, um, at supersonic underscore ink at supersonic underscore ink, and uh, my mark uh, my marketing my website is. Uh, supersonic dot marketing so very simple nothing no awesome. no dot com whatever 
LinkedIn, just my name, Mark McCulloch, I'm, I'm there. It's me and a Scottish footballer. <laughs> and, and Lizzie, where can people find out more about you? You can find out more about me at lizzyhodgson.com or on Twitter at LHDGSN. And I'm also Lizzie Hodgson on LinkedIn. And you can find out all about me at brandonralph.com. And I'm, at, I'm even easier. I'm at brandonralph everywhere. So you can find me TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, the lot. And on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, and and um, I'll switch you all soon. A Studio B production.